space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life, a new civilization, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim. With me, of course, Sir Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And Dr. Squee. Draw! Nearly Christmas. It is nearly Christmas, and what better time to talk about the Reckoning and Valiant from Deep Space Nine. Well, the Reckonings have yeah. been this episode, so... If it's into yeah, it is, uh, some people, I got a very, that, very I, religious episode. I kind of flipped on which ones I was uh, uh, more looking forward to out of these two because I, I, I thought I was more looking forward to uh, the uh, the rapture. The first one is oh no, sorry, not the rapture. It's uh, reckoning, it reckoning. Sorry, the reckoning, um, and not so much the value. I kind of flipped, flip flip my uh, decision on this one. I think. I'm not sure. I enjoyed both of them, but we'll yeah, uh, we'll get into it. Well, I can get into why, but yeah, we'll, we'll wait. But um, yeah, the reckoning isn't technically a Dominion War episode, but we decided the Par Rave related events are too important to where we go in the later stages yeah. of the Dominion War that we we had to cover it here. So well, depending on that's what why we're doing that one. Seeing as like you know we've had a few sort of tenuous links where we've included, like I think this one is actually pretty strong because like depending on what would have happened if things hadn't unfolded the way they did, it could have completely changed the uh, end of the series. It could indeed. So and the war. yeah, we th yeah. this one's an essential one to include. Yeah, uh, and Valiant speaks for itself why it's Dominion War. So. And we're in the run-up to the, the finale of season six now. So let's have a look at what's going on in these two episodes. So first up then is The Reckoning, which is kind of a sequel really to the Rapture episode, I think, in that we're, we've got a mysterious Bajoran tablet again and we've got Cisco going on a, yeah. a religious sort of... A, a mental pilgrimage, if you like. He doesn't actually go anywhere in this one, but he goes down the, the emissary route and we get the, I want to say, the first sort of manifestation in the real world of the prophets. Like, we've seen them as visions yeah. and things before and the orbs and everything, but we actually get a bona fide prophet strutting yeah. around the promenade this week and it's the first um, time we've actually had anything solid about the pirates they've been kind of sort of like just rumored kind yeah of they've, they've really. been yeah they've been mentioned they've been alluded to but yeah this is full-on pirates a real deal i mean i think it. this is where you start to build up to them being the kind of ultimate foe to the prophets which are going to be featured in the water you know the um, the, yeah. the denouement to the war, if you will. But it's like, uh, I think, yeah, it, kind of what you were saying is kind of like why I enjoyed this less. It just felt like a little bit of a redo in quite a lot of areas of the Rapture and done 
a little less successfully and it's like it's almost like there were so many like pockets of ideas that they could have gone down which i wanted them to more. like i would have really loved the pirates to be featured more a bit earlier like the whole battle to be a bit more central as opposed to just on the end you know i i think you could have really built it up into something which is vastly different from rapture whereas to me it was i was doing too many comparisons in my head i guess yeah the early parts of the episode are very 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 much that aren't they uh, we the do as they open up like it's like uh right at the beginning you've got uh jake is saying that uh well he seems really he said he's, he's like bored basically of being in this cave where it's like every time you've gone into a cave like this with your dad when he's on an emissary mission he gets into the shit like oh, or happens. He <laughs> it's like he's been sent back in time he's been sent to the universes he's been uh basically taken like become a uh a wormhole alien himself all this stuff and he's going yeah it's a bit of yawnsville it's like you're not concerned for your dad like that they could have built this up to really add weight to what he says in the end by having it's, him being like, oh my God, no, don't go in there. Don't do this. And like all the way through, Cisco could have been dining out what he's doing and he's going, no, stop it, stop it. And then at the end where he goes, shit, no, I, I get it now. I, I was taken over by one of these guys. You need to stop them. Yeah, fair point. Yeah, it, like the thing is, how J that part where Jake's sort of yawn and oh, it's just a cave, it's boring. It was almost like he's playing a petulant teenager. Which we have yeah. from him before or after. It's, like, it's a very different. It's like someone new is writing, oh, I'm writing for a teenager. Right, this is how teenagers act without having actually watched what Jake has been like for six seasons. I'll, I'll even say it's, it's like they watched the first season, Jake, which was maybe a bit more like this. Yeah. And they've got to say, oh, it's that. Yeah, it's like they've not bothered the to thing, follow his arc because he really did grow up on the, yeah. on the show. Yeah, the other thing as well is like, as we get a lot of in the next episode, Jake at this stage is the reporter and he's always looking for a story and a scoop. And yeah. it's like, you know what's a pretty big story? That there's this bougie-bougie cave on Bayshore, <laughs> and every time your dad goes in it, something monumental <laughs> happens. <laughs> like, that That makes a pretty good story. You, you've got gods that are actually real things. Yeah. You know, that's a pretty big story. I mean, you've, you've got, just found a tablet that's addressed to your dad. Like, you know, they, these are pretty exciting. It was addressed to him 30,000 years ago. This is quite clever. Right, mind yeah. you, I mean, I did think with that, it's like, okay, because we know he's the emissary. That's why it's kind of like momentous. But it's like, basically, they've talked about the emissary uh, from Bayshore since Simon Memoriam, as far as we know. So it's like, the fact that it says, this is to the prophets, and we go like, the, to the emissary. And like, that's the big stinger, I think, isn't it, going into the episode? And it's like, yeah, but like that they they had things to the pro to the emissary before it was Cisco. So it's like really if you think well, about yeah, it. The, yeah, but there yeah, wasn't but the, an emissary before there wasn't Cisco. An, there wasn't an emissary. Yeah, I know. So there's like for at least so we've now got for at least thirty thousand years of Bajoran culture, they have been waiting for the emissary and things are being written yeah. directly for him that he will so arrive. That, yeah, that tablet. Time. That tablet is basically the equivalent of the letter that Doc writes to Marty. There's probably <laughs> a Bajoran Vedic somewhere that's like, you know, we were having bets on whether this emissary would actually turn up. Huh, looks like I lost. <laughs> well, it's like, but with that, at least Marty is a set thing. It's like he's writing it to one particular human yes. like person, not an ethereal like emissary. 
I, 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 I do but, take what you're saying, but it's just, uh, and there's also a few bits like, which is similar where people are like so blase despite what they've seen. So at one bit, Bashir goes like, and I think they were just trying to include him in the episode because he isn't in it much. It was like, uh, yeah, yeah. he goes, oh, God, this is a bit ridiculous. Why are we taking this seriously? It's not like we've seen them do loads of shit every episode yeah, since like, the beginning of the series. How do you think we retook the station at the beginning of the season if it yeah. wasn't for the profits? Um, yeah, before we before we get to Bahala, though, we do get a little bit about the Dominion Wall. Like they're, they're having a briefing and it's so all the Dominion could attack Vulcan. The Romulans have forced a retreat already, so that shows, you know, yeah. Cisco. The, the Romulans, uh, it, I like where it's like, the Romulans have um, retaken. Oh, which planet is it? Oh, I can't remember, but Arcanus or something. And it's like, oh, do you think they'll give it back? And, and like, obviously, others there. No, the Romulans aren't known for giving back territory that they've <laughs> taken. <laughs> True. And Odo and Kira, because we, we've obviously, yeah. it's not an arc-heavy episode, we've jumped over the one where they get together. Yeah. And I I don't know, they're both very good actors, and I like some of the stuff they do with it, but it still feels a bit awkward at this stage. Yeah. Like, they're trying to play... The Odo's always have this thing with Kira where he's pay, played it with this sort of quiet dignity to it all. And that worked when it was unrequited, whereas now he's been a bit lovey-dovey and Kira's playing it as if she's like a teenager in love. And I don't know, that to me just doesn't feel like how their relationship would be. It's a relationship that's grounded in years of friendship and mutual respect, not that yeah. they've got the hops for each other. You know, it's it's just a little bit weird, the shift, I think. And isn't it just the episode before when they got together, which feels like this was sort of like shoehorned in here, just to remind you, it's like, oh yeah, we're not ignoring the fact they're together. Don't worry, we're going to yeah, feature this later. Now. It's like a placeholder sort of thing. And it does yeah. feel clunky and it does feel like, well, they just got together. I know they've known each other for years, but what, they fall into that? Like they're trying to fall into a groove. They haven't had enough time to as actors or as a couple. Like it just, it feels a little forced here. Just Yeah. I think they way. get there with Kira and Odo, oh, but yeah. it, I don't know. It just, I mean, it's, it's the best relationship Kira has been in so far. It's a step up from Shakar and it, God knows it's a step up from Vedic Burial. So, oh. you know, so we'll, you're, you're we'll not Vedic Burial. This is news. No. No one's a fan of Burial. Come on. <laughs> it was all right. I, I wasn't a fan, but I didn't think it was as bad as you guys. Oh, he's terrible. <laughs> it's not as bad as Chicote. No, no. Or maybe. As an actor or as a, uh, <laughs> as a character. He's, he's in it less than Chicote. So, yeah. um, anyway. Uh, and another one, um, Dax is really sarky about when they get this tablet as well. So, oh, it's another tablet. It's like, yeah. you need to start taking these tablets seriously. Like, you well, you know that these aliens send things to Cisco yeah, and that you those know things that it, do you, things. You have to admit, but at this point, all of them have to admit the wormhole aliens, or prophets, whatever you want to call them, are real because they're the only thing stopping the Alpha Quadrant from having fallen at the moment by stopping it to be yeah. complete in a bloody world. Well, that's exactly and... it. It's like they would still believe, like, you know, they might not believe they're prophets, 
but they they know they're super powerful wormhole aliens. They are that thing yeah. of like when um science becomes so uh so far from our experience that it's sorry, sorry, there's a it, there's a quote which I'm loosely doing here where it's like yeah, it's science has become so magic. advanced magic. that it's indistinguishable by from magic. Yes, I was getting there. Jesus, you two are impatient. <laughs> yeah. Um, you were fishing for it. We provided it for no, no, you. I, I was getting there. I was getting there. I was getting there. Come on. You have to let me kind of like marinate, much like their relationship, which they didn't let marinate. Uh, anyway. Oh, nice. Well uh, we, like, uh, But Dax is another great example because she was saying, it's like, well, I think you'll find I'll be calling them wormhole aliens. And then the, every other scene she calls them prophets. Every other scene. Yeah. She doesn't yeah. want to call them wormhole aliens. It's like, you don't. And like, it's so inconsistent to everything that's gone before. And, again, and it's like, like yeah. Dax discovered the wormhole with Cisco. She was co the first person to meet the prophets. So. Uh, like, she didn't actually meet the prophets, but she saw a totally different yeah. landscape. Yeah, she, she got. She knows she, that they're yeah. in a different place. Yeah, she saw the effects of it. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, the gods to believe that they are able to do all these things. Just that's that's it. It's like it's probably because they want the juxtaposition for Cisco and his faith and everything, which is fair enough. Um, But it feels like them them weird episodes of the X-Files that they did where they did religion and all of a sudden Scully was the believer and Mulder was like, no, 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 no. And it's like, well, hang on. You believe in everything else but not God stuff. And Scully, like, you've been abducted by aliens but you don't believe in that. But anyway. Well, yeah, but you know I mean, what I mean? It's, it's like we're flipping it to get the dramatic beats that we want even though it doesn't make a lot of in- well, internal sense. The other way you do it is, as I say, it's like the same thing which would play into Jake's kind of like, he, he could have had an arc throughout this. You do make it so Cisco is making more and more cre- increasingly rash looking decisions because mm-hmm. he's the emissary, not because the wormhole aliens are doing this. Everyone knows they can do that. And it profits wormhole aliens, whatever you call them, they can do these things. We know this. But if he, like, you know, the moment when he smashed the tablet, if they made that sort of like more into like, what are you doing? Like, you know, they're questioning what he's doing every step of the way, as opposed to questioning what they can yeah. questioning what he's doing in the name of them. That makes it so much more compelling. Yeah. You can make Kai even like, oh, geez, like, we know we don't like her. And we know she's always out for herself, but she's got some good points. Here. You know, you could have really made us um, kind of question a few of our beliefs going into this episode. I do like the way she's like, to portrayed. Be fair, like... To be fair, Kai ha- I think the Kai has a really good point in this episode when she's going... You've taken an object. I don't agree with what she did at first, where Cisco explains things, and she goes straight above his head to Starfleet yeah. to complain. Yes. But That's one. Yeah. once things start happening on Bejo, where the weather's gone weird, there's flooding, mm-hmm. crops are suddenly failing. Cisco believes it's religion. She believes it's all religion. They both believe in the prophets, and she's going, you've removed an important artifact from the prophets from where it was, and they're angry, and that's why these things are happening to Bajor, return it, and she, I think she's got a perfectly valid point there. I agree, and and, and it also, just because I don't want to forget this moment, because it was it was near the end, but there, there is a moment where she says, may the prophets forgive me, and I thought it was really interesting, because I do like those moments you get every now and again where no one else is around, no one else can hear what she's saying. So what that tells us is that, okay, she may be like batshit, she may be out for herself, however, she really believes she is doing the right thing by the prophet. Like she really, and and when she's 
even she's questioning that she goes may the prophets forgive me she she's still questioning herself right up until she becomes a bitch of the parade yeah at like, that really point at that point i think she's putting the people of bejar over the prophets and that's that's the contrast with Cisco, who who isn't. And I mean, we'll get to it when we when we yeah, we get to the end. But um, but yeah, like it's interesting. See, it does raise this thing about like where each of them stands in the Bajoran religion, um, because theoretically, the Kai is the person who speaks for the prophet, so she can say we need to return the tablet. She's but the, the emissary. The head of the church. Yeah. Yeah. But Cisco is the one that the prophets speak directly to. And that's how they perceive it. So I would guess that in in matters of interpreting the will of the prophets, the emissary would supersede the Kai if they're not in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I suppose that it'd be the equivalent of uh the king in our country saying god wants us to do this but then the archbishop of canterbury saying you may be the officially the head of the church but i'm the one that he calls so that's not what he wants you know we've seen this in in uh in america because it used to be that if the pope said something any American politician would go by what the Pope said. They couldn't question them. Mm-hmm. Even if they disagreed, they, the most they could do is not comment. And you got to a point where the uh, current Pope started making very kind of like uh, very humanistic um, gestures. He, he was doing things which were accepting of different groups and all these things, mm-hmm. which ruffled the feathers of the Republicans. For the first time in my lifetime or any of our lifetimes, and in fact, I think in politics way back as far as I can think of or know of, like they they directly spoke out against the pope like they like like they, their religion was separate to the pope which it can't be if you were of that religion yeah. and so yeah we've kind of seen it in real life which is deep space nine's always been really good at um pointing see, out these we, kind of things or being see, pro- I'm, not, I'm, I'm not religious but in england we, we sorted that out centuries ago we went, yeah, we don't follow the Pope anymore because Henry VIII wanted to get divorced, so we have the Church of England. Which is the problem. <laughs> which, which I love because it's like, what, so you're just blatantly just going to make up a religion? Okay, yeah. Cool, yeah we're just, we're just <laughs> that new one. Yeah. Well, you know, no, this that's... is an infallible religion. Like, <laughs> can it be yeah. you made it, like, if you made it up within, uh, like, uh, history... <laughs> Yeah, I think we'll we'll leave the, yes, the debate on validity of religions there for now. But it is an interesting <laughs> idea, like how these two figureheads of this religion relate to each other. And yes. we have the benefit of being able to see everything Cisco's done. And we know that the prophets do speak directly to him. But interestingly in this episode they don't give us that they don't show us the prophets appearing to cisco and saying smash the tablet and no not that part we see him at the beginning talking to him yeah yeah but what i'm saying is that they leave enough space within the episode for it to be a little bit ambiguous for us to watch and go whoa is cisco going too far here yeah and and that's pretty cool. Whereas if we had scenes all the way through the episodes with the prophets appearing, saying, "No, no, trust me, Jake will be all right. We'll look after him. It'll be fine. We're just trying to kill the parade." It we as the audience wouldn't necessarily 
have as much tension there. So it's good that they they give us that little bit of ambiguity there. Um, that, that, I mean, if you think about it as well, uh, Kai, the Kai is quite happy to say or do stuff which works against the emissary. And all Cisco has to do, which he's proven in Pale Moonlight, that he's ready to do what is needed to, to end this war. But when it comes to the prophets and, and his quest, he will not lie. He will not obfuscate. He will not, like, even if it will work in his favor and would get, because if he said to the guy, she goes like, oh, well, I didn't hear the bit of the prophecy where they told you not to do that. And he honestly says, well, he didn't say it, it was just a feeling I got within me. And he didn't have to be that honest, but it's like, it's like, this is too important. So it's more important to him than Starfleet. It's more important to him than the war. This is yeah. his calling. Yeah, that's it. He's willing to be led completely um, by the prophets. What's that Facebook user? Hi, guys. Not sure what I've been invited to, but sounds interesting. Okay. To retrack to, to the best Star Trek podcast known to man. I mean, and I, I'm not exaggerating there or being big-headed. Oh, it's Emma. It's oh. Emma Emma Jekylls. Uh, we oh, know Emma. Hello, Emma. We do hello. know Emma. Hello, Emma. And Adam earlier on said hello, gents, as well. So, hello, Adam. We need some names up here. Oh, it's Facebook. It's Facebook user. Everyone's <laughs> called Facebook user for the because purpose of this. Yeah, that's me. Hi, Emma. How are you? <laughs> so, anyway, um, yeah, where were we? So, there's a bit of back and forth, and there's debates among the crew as to how much they believe of the religious side and everything. And it is, it's an interesting discussion, but it's in a way it's less interesting because as we've said, we know that categorically these are nearly omnipotent aliens. Yeah, so, uh, uh, And like we keep saying, it doesn't matter if they believe the prophets or what they actually want to call them. It nearly we're all aliens. They all know what they have done to save the Alpha Quadrant. The yes, destroyed. Exactly. We don't. We don't know if they destroyed the Dominion fleet or just kicked them back to the Gamma Quadrant and no. wormholed them. That's ambiguous. We don't know that. But what we do know is that they're not letting anyone come through that from the Gamma Quadrant who could attack the Alpha Quadrant. Yeah. Well, exactly. So yeah, there's. There's a lot of interesting stuff yeah, going point. on. They've already but... made a fleet of ships disappear, for Christ's sake. Yeah. Like, oh, but they couldn't do this. And it's like, also, they met Q as well, like another god like exactly. Sorry. Yeah, it's, it, it is there's, odd. There's, <laughs> there's a whole, like, in Star Trek, there's a whole history of omnipotent beings <laughs> well documented. We have the, uh, was it the Metrons? Oh, it had all sorts of the original series, practically every fifth episode. (laughs) It was one of them stories. But it's it's like, it's well established in Starfleet that they are omnipotent beings out there. Mm -hmm. Is it like, is it godlike powers or is it technology so advanced that it pieces magic to us? Or maybe it's Maybelline. Sorry, that's another thing. Mm. Um, I mean, Leia, go back to the original series. Like, there was always a cloud which was an omniscient being. Yeah, like, of course there was. Trelane, which is probably a cue, thanks to the books, which I really like that one. I like that one as well, yeah. Um, so, ultimately, this leads to the confrontation, the time of the reckoning, which involves 
a prophet and a power rave which came out of the tablet possessing which, someone. Which makes sense of what um when Dax was translating it, there's gonna be all sorts of destruction destruction mm-hmm. and all sorts or there'll be fruit because there'll be bountiful harvests. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Kira gets chosen by the prophets and Jake gets chosen by the power raves. And, Kira and Kira makes a lot of sense. Kira makes a lot of sense, and I like the fact that Odo is perfectly all right with it. He goes, look, yeah. I fully know what Kira's faith is and how much she trusts in the prophets. Yeah. If she, if, the, if this prophet is saying that Kira's let her do, them do this, she has, and I have no problem with that because that's her beliefs and her faith. Yeah, and it, that, it not uh, only does it affect Odo, but you've got to remember he was raised Bajoran, basically. You know, yeah. and that's got to affect him somehow. And it's like the only thing I don't get is like, again, Jake could have been really used here, but he wasn't. And why is he still there? Because he hasn't been writing a story, which, like you guys said, that would make sense. He's just there. Like, why didn't he go off and one of the skate pods if he isn't doing anything? Uh, we do see that purposes. He does yeah. have a history of not going off on escape pods when he's told to evacuate the station. Yeah, but he wasn't even asked to. Like here, it's like Cisco seems perfectly fine. He's there. I, I don't. Yeah, but he does have a history, a track record of not leaving the station when he's told. Oh, I get to. that. It just just feels like we we <laughs> him at the beginning, then we don't need him, and now we need him to be one of the aliens again. Yeah. If if that's going to have the stakes, you really have to feature him in the episode to like remind us he's there. Otherwise, he just appears from nowhere. It doesn't. Even though we know it's Jake, we know how important he is, we know it's Cisco's son, in the episode he doesn't feel that important. No, that true. No. Until, like, until the end, the end. yeah. Well, and and uh, to me, it does make sense that out of everyone on the station, because they're not going to be able to possess Cisco because he's the emissary, but it does make sense that they possess his son to oh, try yeah. and put pressure on. Yeah, I was yeah, going to say, it's sense, a good, it's a good choice. So this moment means all the more. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the actual battle, such as it is, it's not a bad effect, but it's it doesn't have a, a huge amount of dramatic tension than just standing, firing Thanks. different coloured lights at each other. I get what they were going for, because it wouldn't make sense for them to have a martial arts fight either. Yeah. That, that wouldn't make any sense. It has to I be th- something a bit like, more existential. I, think, I but... think what they're trying to show is that it's just pure power. Firing yeah. yeah. Who's got the most pure power? But they could have been the shapes of being, which like you could have seen some more interaction of the light and how it's like, yeah. You, feel like it, about, well, you could add the bodies of the people who are the hosts writhing in pain, you know, to, to make like, it scare a bit more. You get a little I, I didn't really that. care about yeah, this that much. I think, I think it's that sort of like what they can do on the TV budget with the CGI with two people battling like this. Possibly, well, maybe but you... it's also an artistic choice to go, yeah. we're going to have them standing still and we're just going to do... Yeah, because you could have had um, them both like being um, sort of possessed and like as opposed to just a pure beam light, them like firing light at each other, firing kind of parts of their essence against each other. You know, yeah, you could have had them like, let's nothing, have an arm wrestle. too much more of a budget. Yeah. <laughs> let's wrestle. have a bare knuckle. The only way, um, the only uh, TV slash film where uh, an arm wrestle is dramatic is in the fly when he breaks his arm. I, uh, oh yeah, it's, no, you're forgetting about the <laughs> Stallone classic over the top. Oh, oh I, yes, I, I do not remember that one. I've got to admit, you've, you've not, not seen, seen over the top. I, I think oh. I've seen it. I think I've seen it, but just not since I was a kid. It's over brilliant. the top. 
It's probably the pinnacle of fighting movies. It's it's certainly the best arm wrestling well, road trip family drama. Watch along uh, in the making, I can see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, basically, yeah, he... Stallone has to win custody of his son from his son's evil grandfather. And the only way to do it is by winning the World Arm Wrestling Championships in Vegas. Right, let's see how many of the Geek High Council we can get to, to attend a watch along, which we're going to do of this. I, I think Over the Top's fantastic. No, you saw uh, me. Anyway, I'm, I'm not... but we'll, uh, maybe we'll, we'll cover that another day. Yeah, sorry. Um, but, so there's two films where arm wrestling is dramatic. Um, so, yeah, so it comes down to win and Cisco and who's got the most faith and... Ultimately, it's Cisco because Cisco decides. How do guys, how do I join this conversation? Oh, you want to come on the podcast? Ooh, I don't. It, it doesn't quite work like that. Have we posted it differently this week? I've probably posted it differently because I've set it up. No, I think you it's can, just um, yeah. I mean, usually we just have us three, but we have been known upon occasion. You can uh, guests. Um, I don't know how the guys feel about that now because we haven't done it for a long time. We haven't, but we can certainly look at it if there's a demand for it. Tech. Yeah, we did. So it. We'll maybe we did ring it. something in the new year. We've got like you know Let, a few bits. Yeah, we will, and um, we don't have the setup to just bring someone in on the on, on the, the stream fly. at the moment. <laughs> if it was, well, if it was just a Facebook stream straight from his phone, we could do that, but um, unfortunately, we can't. But comment away to to your heart's content and we will we will we engage can, with it and we can look at uh, if you want to come on through an episode we can uh have absolutely a can. In the new year yeah new year sounds good yeah, yeah. so where were we? yes so kai win bottles it and turns off the machine and the possible interpretations of this then are she doesn't have the faith that cisco has or could you look at it as she's the more pragmatic of the two? And, well, I can see Bejor is now suffering. The Prophets might win, but well, if I do when, this, I'll definitely she, stop the suffering. It's it's when, an interesting idea. When she does this, when you look at the white beans, because you have the Prophet who's sort of white and the Pyrrhaf that's red, and the power and the white is nearly right up to the power if at the end the the profit is massively is going to so win. You think it. the profit would have won? I think the profit would have won, and it and it looks like because it's way more than three quarters of the way towards the power if, so the power if's losing. Mm-hmm. And I, I... and that's when Kai Wing does the thing with where she floods the tachyon particles again, was it? Yeah, that's that I never noticed that. The bodies. I never noticed that. That's a really good point because I do think there's a degree of, even though she does say when no one else is around, she says, like, may the prophets forgive me. I think she's trying to lie to herself because I do think there's a side of her that it's like she doesn't want the emissary to bring this about because that would... Yeah, I think that's part of it. I think she's that's worried. definitely part of it, but I think she's trying to tell herself that she's still doing the right thing. She's trying to save people. I think she is trying to lie to herself, but deep down in her heart, her subconscious is trying to sabotage the emissary did. Oh, she's and, massively jealous of Cisco. And that's yeah. said in this episode. Yeah. And she says there'll be no need for Kai's bedding, so even emissaries. It's well, like, that's yeah. it. Is oh, that yeah, what yeah. she's worried about as well? If the prophets prevail here, 
does that mean that her position of power is now it's, gone? It, she's, it's her position. She's she uses the excuse I did it to save Jake. I couldn't risk yeah. you. But the reality, I think the reality is that she was worried about losing her own power if the profit. Yeah. In, in fact, whichever side won, she was she'd lose her power. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you've um, got to think like over the years of uh, the show, the different popularity of the emissary. Like, there's probably kind of like polls done, like they do on uh, politicians uh, on Bayshore. It's like. How, what's the popularity rating of the emissary? Like, there's probably about ninety percent believers, ten percent not by now. Yeah, but he's probably clinging on to the fact that some people don't believe, and of course, in during times of war, people cling to stuff like religion and their beliefs, and so it does make sense that he would be hugely popular more than ever. So I think it is. Yeah, she's so worried that if he did this, no one would dis- no one would dare say anything against him. And she would lose her thin grip of power as a religious and leader. There's also probably an element of I've only just thought of this now, but like a bit of resentment of the fact that like yes, Cisco's the emissary, and yeah, he turns up and he does stuff every so often, but essentially he sits up on a station miles away and most let, of the and time. Let her do what she wants on the planet. Whereas she's on the planet having to deal with all the day-to-day stuff, and I bet it's always a case of if something goes right, they say, "Oh, the emissary," and if something goes wrong, they go, "Oh, the guy's done that." <laughs> so I can see why she's a bit resentful of him. Um, prophets <laughs> just gossips at that time their view is subjective um the prophets well because the prophets are non-linear so is that yeah. take it? i suppose their view is subjective to an extent but they can see right. how everything's going to pan out so technically the prophets actually that's just made me think the prophets know they don't win this ah i i think this is the one where the power race are involved because they're also gods. Ah, okay. Those are points. It's like the fixed points in time in Doctor Two. It's like that's their time Maybe when they can. Yeah, yeah. 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 There's two. There's two branches. Every time there's power race, it could. It must be there. because otherwise the power race yeah. wouldn't bother if they knew how it was going to pan out. So yeah, there'd be no point. Yeah, I, I think that's whenever they're involved, idea, there's a point in time they don't know. Yeah, it must be. Um, and then we do get that lovely moment with Jake and Cisco where Cisco is feeling bad, right? You know, rightly, because he has endangered his son in the name only of the prophets. Only a little bit. Yeah, he, <laughs> only had, he was only possessed by it's the only devil. A little bit in mortal danger. <laughs> um, and then, but then you do get that moment, and it's, it's a testament to like the strength of their relationship that. You know, he's still a young man at this stage and he, he's able to not be angry at his dad about this because he's like, no, that that was evil and I know why you had to do that. So, very grown-up reaction from Jake, which is a bit of a, a contrast to him being whiny and bored at the beginning. And as you say, Squee, if they'd have done something with that, we could have had a little arc for Jake. However, though, notably, neither of these two episodes have a B-plot, so there probably wasn't room to do much more with yeah. Jake in this. But I, I think you could have pulled out some of the other stuff of people disbelieving. For any Perhaps. of those scenes, you have I think you Cisco could have done... acting irrationally and him being questioned and Jake worrying about him. Like, he could be talking to all these people who are talking to Cisco about, like, yeah. oh, well, true, yeah. they're not true. 
take all that stuff out because we know they know they're true. They, they, yeah, yeah good point. We've said it a, few, a number of times through episode that it is just silly for them to keep saying that they're not real. Yeah, just take that out. Take that out. Pull in some scenes with Jake. They've got indefutable. They've had indefutable proof. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it, every moment when Cisco's acting a bit like mad, you just dial that up. You just make him look a bit unhinged. What, you go to every Brooksford, you have to be intense. I, yeah. I don't know if you can do it. I don't know. Maybe could you can do a bit, bit of a scene. Can you just slile him a bit more, Adrian, for this, yeah. uh, this scene? So let's yeah. move on to Valiant then, because we've had a we've had a religion-heavy episode, so we get an, an action-war-heavy episode to Lord compensate for space. it. Rascals, the teen edition, but better. Pretty much. <laughs> Lord, Star Trek no, does I'm Lord of the Flies brackets again. Yeah. End brackets. Um, but so we start off with the scene in Quarks because we still have to have all our main cast turn up at some point to say hello because we've got to pay them, even though this is a Nog and Jake episode. So we get this contrived thing where um, Quark, got to go, my phone's on low power, but thanks for the invite. I love it every minute. Invite, you're good, always mate. invited, invited to watch the show. Always to come watch Emma. And yeah, we will talk. If you want to come on, we will talk about it in the new year. Thanks for watching. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, we get this thing. Everybody turns up. Well, not everybody, but we get Dax turns up and Quark turns up. Well, I, um, I quite like how it, how it does it because you've got Quark in the... I love the start of this where Quark's in the... Is it this one where Quark's in negotiations? Or is that last episode? No, no this, this is... The... Where at the beginning, he's backed up uh, with orders. Because, oh, is that the next, uh, oh, is that the next episode and I've started watching another? You I may have started watching the next one. No, I, right. I, I love the fact that... Uh, if you listen carefully at the beginning here, where they've got everyone who's queued up the bar because the replicator's down, if you listen, all the other, like... Uh, extras and voiceover artists are going blah, 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 blah. and there's just one really clear female voice going hey come on quark over here come on yeah. hear her dialogue and she's the only one it, yeah i don't know why it stuck out to me so much this time it's like my favorite example of that is in return of the jedi just after the superstar destroyer crashes into the death star um, there's a reaction shot on Admiral Akbar's ship of everyone going, Way! but if you listen really closely, someone in the background goes, die, dickheads. <laughs> no, no, sorry. Yeah, no, and it was still there as of the DVD release. So I don't know if Lucas <laughs> has taken I've it out. Yeah. Honestly, don't it, say I'll, that. Lucas will do it now. He'll find I, I know, a way. Like, I know I Star Wars yeah, will do it now. But, anymore. Um, I will. Disney. I will have a look on Disney Plus, and I'll see if it's still there. I but know it, Disney it, Plus own it now, but if if Lucas hears, he will break into Disney. Was, just get that out. It was definitely there as of the DVD, and I think maybe the Blu-ray. But anyway. Um, so yeah, we've got all this going on with Quark, and we get we get it's, an excuse. replicated down. <laughs> Um, but what all they, they this brings in the idea that oh Nog can't fix it because Nog's away on a mission and no Nog, uh, Nog's gone to visit well, Ferengi. Rom now. can't fix yeah. it, and then he was yeah. going to send Nog, and Nog can't go because he's off to Ferengi. But then um, Dax turns up and, and Quark just can't understand this why Dax is fixing it. True, and, yeah. and, and, and Quark does still fancy Dax. So it's like really upset at the fact that she's uh, getting a hamster doing stuff. 
and I, I think must... part of that is the fact that they know at this point that Dax, the character, is leaving, so they're reminding us how fond all the other characters are yeah. of us, so that it um, it lands. I never even thought of it like that. I just yeah, because it did seem. I must admit, it's like it's fine, but it's like. I would have preferred just getting into the episode a little bit. It's I don't know, just it just seems like a bit of an It was just, it was just, it's that little scene at the start. So you get all your main casting because they've got to repeat yeah. because they're getting paid money to be in the, in the episode. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just wish it, it tied into some, I don't know, it just felt like some or nothing. You know, it's it, not everything not that happens here the, we've covered before. Well, it, it gave a reason why Nog could go off on this, this trip because it done a favour for Dax. So Dax was returning the favour so he could go off on his little trip to Ferengana. It's always, like, with modern TV now, they probably wouldn't do this scene because contracts work differently and things yeah. like that. So they go, we're just having a Jake and Nog episode. This episode, we won't see anybody. But, yeah, that that's why it's there. Well, I just yeah. thought you could have done the same with walking him to the airlock or something. It wasn't offensive. It just didn't do anything for me, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, Nog and Jake are going to Ferengana. Jake now is really interested in getting a, a scoop, even though he wasn't bothered last week when yeah. there was a, a literal war between heaven and hell going on. Uh, yeah, but no anyway. Federation reporter has ever been to Ferengana. Because what I was, I was kind of concerned about was, I think there's a few episodes where uh, Jake, as he's uh, and uh, Croft, um, have, have matured as uh, an actor and as a character, I think he becomes more interesting, but sometimes when it's him and Nog together, they get a bit silly in some of the episodes where they're on the journey there. So it's like mm. one of the episodes uh, where like they have an argument over their room and it's just like, oh, I, I can't be asked with this. To be honest with you. And I, I, I see, I remember this episode being a bit more like that, but no, J Jake is really good in this episode. I love how serious he is, how he's like, you know, come on, ridiculous. like he sees how ridiculous the moment is, whereas like, Nog is is all signed up because he's excited. He's becoming a chief engineer. He's becoming a lieutenant. Like all this, yeah, stuff. yeah. And and I think he gets a bit carried away with it. Whereas the truth probably somewhere in between the two. So I think it was a really interesting pairing with grown up versions of both of them. Now it's the first time we really see them together in a two hander where they're both acting really mature, but just yeah, true. And I like that. <clears throat> and they get rescued from the Jemadar by the Valiant, which is commanded by Red Squad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which yeah, we did meet like... back in Homefront Paradise Lost. So the idea of Red Squad's already been knocking mm. about. Well, well um, Red... oh, no, it was Nova Squad, wasn't it? Um... That was Nova Squad. I thought that to begin with as well. Yeah. I know exactly. It does seem like the sort of thing that I it made. Does seem, um... It does seem very much, and it makes you wonder... If after the events of Nova Squad, they rebranded it to Red Squad. Yeah, oh, I like that. Because I was Squad. thinking that maybe they had to pay someone for inventing Nova, Nova Squad if they used that, so they changed well, it slightly. It, it, well, there's also, the real there's, all, yeah. there's also that thing. But it does seem like... I like that. Nova Squad was the elite of the Academy, and now Red Squad is the elite of the Academy. So I just wonder if, uh, after what happened with Nova Squad and all that. And yeah, the like, Nick, got... Nick Lacano's ruined it right. for us. We're going to have to rebrand. Right. We need a PR rebranding. We're going to rebrand it, and we're going to do it by giving you all our cadets uh, a colour band, red, who are the top ones, 
and we'll call them Red Squad. And then they can carry on just the same. As they can do the same shit that Nova Squad did. They can go off in ships and do the and start wars with the, the own private little wars with the Dominion and whatever if they want. No, I, I think thank they're you probably going to have to scrap Red Squad after this one as well. This don't yeah. go well. I must admit, I can, but there are a lot of other colours in the spectrum. True. I was just going to say, it was like, thank you, Elliot, because after I realised, because I was like, oh, this is the same as the one from that episode. Like, oh, no, no, that was Nova Squad. Yeah. Oh, God, they've changed it for the same reasons because the character... You've now in-universe saved it for me, though. Now I can just go, oh, they rebranded after that. That's great. You know what, though? This captain could have been played by Robert Duncan McNeil because uh, he's very much cut from a similar cloth. Well, like, this could have been Nick Lacano. It, it's almost like... They wanted the Nick Lucano, but they couldn't yeah. use him because Voyager had started by now. So you yeah. can't have, and he's he got kicked out, but they want that same character. So very similar, just, yeah. Give him a new name and cast someone else, and just have him do the same lines that we'd write for Lucano. And he, he sadly, was a really interesting character. I think the guy playing was. the captain's really good in this. He's probably the him and the first officer. I think were probably the strongest out of the uh, yeah. the crew here. Um, and we, we don't get to meet Captain Ramirez, but I I always picture him as Ramirez from Highlander. Um, nice. but and why wouldn't you? Exactly. Yeah. He'd be brilliant. <laughs> well, I've got the Red Squad. Come on, the Red Squad. And it's just, um, it's just um, as Sean Connery, how old he was at the time. It's like, ah, oh, I am but a teenage boy being the captain. I'm also... Red Squad. I, I'm also obviously head. Spanish. <laughs> if you can believe I'm Spanish, so why not believe that I'm 17? <laughs> and yeah, this Captain Ramirez, okay, he gave him a battlefield commission to make him a captain. Fair enough. If Captain Ramirez made one mistake, it was probably... He maybe could have said something like, get "Get back to the Federation as quick as you can, son, instead of go and try and win the war on your own. Complete the the mission. No, let it go. Right, I'm giving you a field commission. Get the crew home now as soon as you can. Exactly. Mind you, so, we didn't hear exactly what was said in that conversation. He got like, "You've done great. We almost did it." And like, he dies before he can say, "Now get them home." And like, he's taking that's like, "Yep, that's him asking me to continue on." So yeah, so I wonder how much he edited it that, in his head. Yeah. In his head. Yeah, that's a good question, actually. It's um, like uh, in Lonely Fools and the Horses, where there's like, uh, "Oh, you know what our mum said on her deathbed?" And it's like oh, it's yeah. thing every time. I wonder if he's doing a bit of that. <laughs> Maybe so, yeah. He also and, said that uh, I was a great lover just to any of the female officers yeah. on board. I don't know why he brought that up, but that was him saying Yeah, it. he said, don't, don't worry about either. the don't rules. I don't think there was anything going on or anything. Yeah, don't worry about the rules about fraternising with the female officers, he said. He said that doesn't apply to Red Squad. And and they figure out what he's doing, but it's all right because he's already seen them completely naked. Yeah. And Willow agrees. Um, yeah, Willow, Willow. Oh, she would have been all over it. But it is very much Lord of the Flies, isn't it? Like, we've got this thing where they were on a ship with seven adult officers. The adult officers have all died, leaving the, the hesitate to say children, but le- leaving the young people yeah. to be in charge. And well, it's it's how quickly does that fall apart? I think, the... you've got, I think you've got to assume that when they go off to be the academy... 
that they've passed the equivalent of our sixth form beforehand. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, but they do the education quicker. So I, I'm assuming they go to be cadets at like 16. Mm. Yeah, so, probably. So got the age that we'd have gone into sixth form. So you'd start it when you were 16. Yeah, so these are probably meant to be 17, 18. 18, yeah, and I think it, they played like that, that they're meant to be. I, I think yeah. still, still teenagers. I got a feeling that some of them were 16. And, and yeah. 16 yeah. Like most of them were a bit older because they would yeah. have been. But they all, yeah, but the, the but they all, they all still teenagers. And there was one scene, it was just an extra, but there was someone who looked like they were kid up. They didn't look like they were a Vulcan. It looked Romulan because of the haircut. Maybe, yeah. Which we've never mentioned a Roman in Starfleet. I thought it was kind of interesting. No, I don't What's think it What's interesting here as well, well like, You can make up, though. It is clearly more yeah. Romulan than, you know, because Vulcans have a certain look to their hair and everything. It, it, I think it might have just been, yeah. oh, we've got an extra, and someone's just made them up as a Romulan and they've not really thought it through. Maybe, I don't know. It just If you watch it again, it's in the battles, you know, the scene where they're yeah. in the final battle. Uh, uh, Maybe it's because, yeah, it, it's maybe that where it's right. We've got an extra. We want them to be alien. What's a quick alien one? Vulcan, and they've just mm. got the makeup slightly wrong because they've rushed it. Yeah, it's possible. It's just, it, it definitely it's looks more character. Mind you, now, we've had like Simon Tarsus with Drumhead, like he was half uh, uh, Romulan. So maybe after yes, that, yes, but that was that was poo pooed. You know, well, I'm just that, wondering that, what... if, if after that, like. Um, because there were so many conversations would have which would have come out of those at those events. Maybe, maybe half uh, Romulans were allowed in Starfleet or something. You know. So here's the thing. I wonder what would have happened if when Nog, who is an officer, albeit is an ensign at this stage, when they got on this ship, if the guy had said, "I'm the captain," if Nog had said, "Don't be stupid, I'm taking command." You're a bunch of cadets. Yeah. We're going back to the Federation. I think they'd have probably fallen in line if Nog had have done I that. Think but, but he I hesitates. Think was, he, he, outranked, he, he actually, like, you've got the... But he, he's only an acting captain. He's really a cadet still. And as soon as he gets yeah. back to, to the academy, he's back as a cadet. Uh, he, so he Nog is actually genuinely, genuinely outranks them i would actually argue that because he said the way he says it anyway i know what the formalities are because i was kind of thinking about all this watching it he doesn't say it as acting captain he said i was given a field no, promotion he... which does work a bit differently yeah the captain does. does have the right to to be fair we we did yeah. all see uh star trek 2009 how this did happen to occur well exactly yeah you can get promoted in a day from like uh, uh the, the janitor to, to being the uh, captain of the starship regardless but like, of how many other uh officers are on, on but, but i think I, I think the way they've written it and the way they played it it does play like they are so loyal to him. I don't think they would have gone with Nog. I think it Nog does. I, I think Nog might have been able to, because I, I think maybe even the captain would have cracked if Nog, Nog had have held that mirror up to him and just gone, you know, you've done a good job, but yeah, well, I don't know. If, it, if he'd gone on board and gone, well done, son. Fact, like, but I think... Well done, son, for looking after your crew. It's now time for us to get back to the Federation. I think I, I Nog is the only one you could have done this with 
because technically O'Brien could, this could happen to O'Brien. He's a non-commissioned officer. He would have to follow the orders, as would Bashir, as would Dax, you know, of the, but I couldn't see this story where a wharf, you know, I, I, I couldn't yeah, see this story know. working with any of them except Nog. Yeah. I think if it was anyone else in the crew, I would have gone with you guys that they would have just submitted to like, okay, it's the adult in the womb, basically. Yeah. Whereas he's about their age. So the whole thing is, I think, yeah. They like, don't see him as anything above them. So even if he starts throwing his weight around, especially seeing as they've all galvanized around this captain, they've had to to, mm. to get as far as they, they have. Like, I no, think they would have just poo-pooed him. But I think it works so well because Nog is also young and a bit impressionable. So when he gets offered uh, to be the chief engineer and he gets listened to by the captain so much, he's like, fuck yeah, I remember some of this. So it's like it works in both ways that they would yeah. both go with it. You've also go. got that Noggy's of them years of cadets, like Red Squad has been off on this mission for however long. Nog has gone to the academy and the fast tracking them in the academy to ensigns and out into the war. Yeah, true. Yeah. So Nog is the same age. In, in, in normal things, Nog could still be a cadet and this had been Red Squad at the academy and they'd be above Nog. And I know this is jumping ahead a little bit, but it's very on theme to what we're talking about. Do you think at the end, now this is just my head, kind of nothing else, but I think that because the guy at the time, when he gives a field promotion to Nog, he is an act, he is a captain. Like they don't use the word actually, certainly. So if that was entered in the log as he was made captain at that moment, he gives a promotion to Nog. I think legally, if you like, that's that. Like, yeah, Nog no, should have been alluded. Yeah, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, I think my little headcanon is that Nog turned it down because of what went down. I was wondering. Maybe, yeah, Nog. But said, he decided not to even mention it. He was like, that never happened. Like, you know. Yeah, I, I reckon it's probably that that he hasn't mentioned it. Was he's embarrassed by how quickly he was kind of seduced by it all. Yeah, because I think if, if if things had gone right, he would have been going it's like, "Well, Captain here gave me a promotion, you know." Yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm a Lieutenant Commander now. Yeah, if yeah. they destroyed if they destroyed that uh, Dominion ship and got back, it'd have been yeah, yeah, Chief but Engineer, I, me now. I think yeah. if you come back, Commander. Oh, Brian, go make my dinner. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But I, I reckon if he'd come but back... But then he'd have got that straight away. <laughs> <laughs> but I think even if he'd... Even with the fail in the mission, if he had wanted to push it or wanted to say it's like, well, I was given this promotion, it's up to you guys. Mm. I think legally it would have had to stand. I think that's his choice not to... Like, the only way it yeah. works is that he's chosen not to. Really? Yeah, you're right. If you If you follow it through logically, yeah. And then that adds sort of an extra poignancy to in the series finale, he gets promoted to lieutenant again. And he's earned it the right way, sort of, this time. Very Star Trek. Um, Yeah. And I like all the sort of interactions that Jake has with the, the, the ensign who's from the moon. And they talk about how people on Earth call yeah. the moon Luna, whereas she's like, no, you call it the moon if you live on the moon. Um, no, 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 she doesn't say that. What they say is like, she goes, he goes, oh, granddad calls the moon like it's the only one. And she goes, well, we don't even call it Luna there. And she doesn't actually say what they call it. It really annoys me every time because I'm going, well, what do you call no, it? Then? No, she says, if you live on the moon, you don't call it Luna. So yeah. they still call it the moon. 
Well, she didn't say that. So, because, well, the way I heard it, it sounded well, more does. like they don't call it the moon. She says they don't call it, they don't even call it lunar, suggesting there's a third. No, she, she says if you live on the moon, you don't call it lunar. Yeah, but she doesn't you say still call it the moon because because she she says if you live on the moon, so she's calling it the moon. The moon. I don't think she used the word moon that sense. I really she did. I've got to watch that. Back. She did because uh, that that stood out to me. I was like, he's he's trying to make it's like a cute moment because he's trying to make this connection with her by saying, "Oh, can you believe my granddad still calls it the moon?" Yeah, and then and then she's like. Yeah, but if you live on the moon, you do call it the moon. So it it's just kind of. Oh, I, has, I thought the suggestion was they call it a third thing, which. No, uh, it's it's he has an expectation yeah, of. It's like, he wants to say something yeah. cute that oh, yeah, we're yeah, her, and like the reality is she's be... like, no, we're we're from different worlds. You know, it, it's. Oh, I get yeah. I get how they're doing that, but it's, yeah, it's just the the end bit I didn't get. The whole reality of this is as a species. We have been extremely lazy in naming our own moon. We have. We have. We have. Like every other moon in the bloody solar system is named after something. We've named bloody pebbles flying around the solar system interesting names. But our own moon, we've just gone, yeah, it's the moon. <laughs> yeah, we should be going, hey, um, is, but, is the Armstrong up yet? Is but, it a full Armstrong tonight? But you've also got the other point that. Ours is the definitive. That's true. It's yeah, it's the definite article. Moon. Well, it's like I've got about five Steves on my phone, but my uh, best bud Steve, he, he, he's just Steve because he was exactly. The first one to get in there. there you go. Yeah. Um, uh, but so I, yeah, he always comes out of this though, where he goes like, I know, I know they've got to do it, and we've only got forty-five minutes of TV, and I, I get it, but it's like. The thing that he loses his shit over is like you reminded her about home. You said about like oh where do you live and stuff and it's like yeah oh, you can have lost this captain this long without allowing a little bit of a morale throw moment. him in the brig yeah, well, we like... don't need people crying well you do find out though that they've been there popping pills and all that to keep me oh, yeah you do stuff. that's a nice little moment that it and... shows you that it's getting to him but and i'm it, saying well, it's like they... but he also goes uh it does say in it that all the crew were taking pills, and it's like, oh, give him a few of these mm. to make feel better. And no, and no, well, obviously, we... obviously, the crew, these are young kids still, and they're under huge stress, and they've turned into a bunch of druggies. We really yeah. look at like what the point of this is like, all the drugs they're taking to make themselves feel better. We are lucky we didn't get a remake of the apple here. <laughs> <laughs> The only thing I very true point, but the only thing I was thinking is like it's just just to to have demanded the amount of loyalty or commanded the amount of loyalty that he has, as well as the drugs. You would have also had to have won people over. You would have had to have had that kind of warmth there. I think mm. on some level, and for him yeah. to not even allow them to mention home seems a little bit extreme. You know, he can't yeah. be that much of a rude. You have to have a better thing that Cisco reminds. Him. Like maybe he questions just just very subtly goes like. Hey, you know, I don't know if this guy's making all the right moves. Like, he doesn't say it to, to try and do an insurrection. He just says a really offhand comment about 
oh, I just think there was maybe a mistake earlier. And that's what he clamps down on because he can't have anyone. Yeah, maybe. Stronger for me. Um, it just seems a bit weird that, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's I almost think, like that. You would never follow him over broken glass the way these guys seem to. Like, I think it's that thing, though, that they've all got that ego thing because seeing Red Squadron as well, where they've all, all got yeah. their own yeah. ego, that they, they are the best. So, you. Right. Red Squad, even better than Nova Squad. (laughs) But we can have Nova Squad. And if you think of with Nova Squad, you did see the warmth with them. You did see why they liked each other. They were just in this really tense situation. Uh, Whereas here, I I, want to see a bit more of why they kind of like respect this guy, why he commands such authority. And Mm. clamping down this way, I think, takes a bit away from that. I don't. Yeah. I just couldn't operate that way. I wonder if it's partly because... the respected, like the captain that had taken him out, and the captain to give it have the trust to make him the captain is why they yeah, called him something yeah. like that. Um, and then anyway, so we we get to oh, and I've got another reason why they're all following as well because that on. first officer is all over him. She ha- seriously has the hot. So teenage. Oh, she does. Yeah, she seriously has the hot. And she's enforcing what he wants to win on the rest yeah. of the crew. And I, I also like the fact that in that scene where he is kind of like they are grilling Jake, he just sits back and is quiet and lets her attack yeah. him. And and she just in, in a very good in a very good way for the plot and what we're trying to achieve here, she does seem like she seems particularly young, particularly naive, and she's trying to do this grilling where she's like five foot nothing, you know. It's yeah. like uh, yeah. And I kind of like that because it's that is what it would be like if you were being grilled by someone who's just uh, been put in the situation. She's doesn't mean she's like... older than years, but it's like it does feel like a a someone wearing their their uh, parents' clothing kind of. Yeah, thing. she's like someone cosplaying as Shelby, yeah, and not quite nailing it. Um, yeah, whereas he nails it, and like some of the like, I, I, and I think the other the younger girl who the one who he was talking to the chief. I, I think she plays it perfectly that she is out of the depth. She is a bit yeah. lost. Like she didn't want to job in um, Jake, but she's kind of been caught out in this moment. She plays that perfectly. So I think they're all perfectly cast to show what they need to. So you've yeah, got one yeah, who's confident, one who looks like she's playing the part right, but she just doesn't quite fit because she's too young. Like, mm-hmm. and, and she's, she sounds like a, yes, a, a kid wearing parents clothes and well, one that's... who's just completely lost and ready to break. And and it just yeah. that's a great mic- microcosm for what the whole crew would be like. And then you have this bit where they're outlining the plan, and this is where Jake does speak up, and he's like, "Look, you know, my dad wouldn't do this," and he's and it as he points out, it's not a my dad's better than your dad thing. It's like his dad literally is <laughs> one of the best. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I love I, I love Jake's little speech there, and it's like it's so just like uh, yeah. It's it's like the thing I heard someone saying. It's like, um, oh, you can't do that because that's our rule within the army. And it's like, well, I'm not in the army. Like someone's saying this about something else, and it's exactly that thing. It's like, oh, you know, you can't possibly say that while the captain's giving a speech. Going, yeah, I'm yeah. stuff. Yeah, I can say what the fuck. Exactly. I want. And yeah. my dad happens to and be a military, so fuck you. And the way the in charge of the entire fleet. Yeah, really decorated, decorated war hero at this stage, the yeah. emissary. And what's more, my dad designed this shit that you're yeah. talking about. Yeah, even, even better. Yeah. I'm not in your little club, but my dad is, and he's the best at it. <laughs> yeah. And the way the captain overcomes it, or the way the crew overcomes it, is 
it shows how it has got to a cultish level that they just start chanting Red Squad. Red Squad. And and that's it. And you, you get this great bit where Nog joins in, but he's sort of looking at everyone around him as if like he's yeah, not like, quite sure he should be joining in. But he, you're, fight, you're fighting an argument by chanting Red Squad instead yeah, of that's it. the but, argument. But it works because of the, the grip he's got of them. And it yeah, just whips like, them up into a frenzy without well, thinking about it. This is also really. that thing yeah. about uh, kids being more impressionable and all that, and he's yeah. manipulate, and it is because of the age that he's able to manipulate them this way. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it leads naturally into that last scene, if you guys are okay with moving yeah, yeah. But, but it's just, uh, it's when... Jake does say that thing about like Nog, sorry, says that thing about, yeah, put that in your story too. It's like, yeah, show this captain was out of his depth. Like this guy was out of his depth. He he had done a lot of good stuff, but then he fucked up. But he was also like not a bad guy. He also did way more than anyone of his age should ever be expected to do or, yeah, or could have done. Exactly. And people. It's all true. And I love that kind of nuanced ending to it. Yeah. And it does fit along with the story. Because I think I don't think Jake or Nog are ever completely wrong in this episode. No. Maybe you could say Nog going along with that last plan a little bit. But apart from that, up until then, they're both representing some really good viewpoints. Like, really. like to be fair, the last plan on paper. It made sense because they've got, they've got the scans, they know what it is, they know what should destroy it, they know how how to do it. So everything about the plan should have worked, except there was obviously some sort of shielding or something. Or, oh, I, or I still think was it, wrong. getting like three inches away from the ship was probably like a, 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 a gymnasium. meters. And, oh, sorry, sorry, it was a mile away. But it, it comes down to what Nog says at the end that like he wasn't a good captain, and that that's what it is. It's regardless of whether the mission had succeeded or not, he should have been a good enough captain to say we're not going to attempt it. Yeah. Even though he, like if they'd have got back okay and everything, he'd have maybe got a reprimand, but they couldn't have said you did something wrong because he was following orders. He was yep. given an order to carry it on by his superior officer and he did that to the best of his ability, but he was not a good captain because he didn't recognise that this was not a good idea and a yeah, good captain yeah. would have done that. And that's the thing. It's it's quite... It's the difference between someone who's grown up and he's seen the world as it really is, and someone who's seen it in black and white, so you have the chief at the end saying, oh, you know, he was great, he was a hero, and Nog says, well, he was all these things, but he wasn't a good captain. There's nuance there, there's there's differences, it's yeah, not black or white, and I love that. Like, he, didn't, he didn't protect his crew in, at the end of the day. Exactly. He, he, yeah. wanted the, he wanted the glory of completing the mission above the protection of his crew. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think it's just the the way that, that Nog looks so broken. He's basically he's realised what went wrong, and Jake Jake doesn't try and spike it. He doesn't say anything. He's just like quiet, which he's been yeah. like raising flags all through this episode. Yeah, it's just it so nicely played. It like he hasn't done any of this at all. Just so yeah, he's taking you, no pleasure you, out of this. And, and you screwed up there, Jake. Is yeah, you're right. He's not taking any pleasure. And mm. he knows that his mates hurt. He can't. He, 
he's not ready to comfort him about what his part in it, but he isn't going to rub it in his, what he's done. And he realises that Nod does know what's happened and what exactly. was wrong the other thing I don't want to sort of like miss out is just when they the uh, ship is getting blown up and you see the escape pods coming out and just getting taken out. It's like, oh yeah, that's another uh, handful of kids just being murdered. Yeah, there. another handful of kids. Oh, that one just went up in flames. That's kids burning to death right there. It's like that's the only really thing think I about think. It, for a second, it is grim that scene. It's grim, but one bit that is a little bit cheesy is like only one escape pod survived and it was oh, the yeah. one with our named crew on. They could have said a couple of other lads survived as well yeah. or something, you know. Yeah. I don't know, but it doesn't hugely detract from it. Um, but yeah, I think it's uh, it's not like an arc-heavy Dominion War episode, but it's it, a it's good a, war it, episode. The entire episode is standalone. It doesn't affect the main no. story at all. But it is it is about the Dominion War because they're attacking the Dominion. Oh, exactly. It's a really and it like you say, it's a it's Star Trek's version of Lord of the Trap Flies. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I think yeah. You you is couldn't it, have not covered this one, certainly, I think. No, it, no, I'm not saying we shouldn't. Have. It is a really good episode. I really enjoyed this episode. I think it's we a good double bill this and, week. And, and it's um, like it's one of those clever ones that they used to do a lot, where you use your existing model oh, yeah. as a new sh- as a different ship and you change your name and registration. Yeah, yeah, it's and, classic. And like this one, it. it you change the last two digits because it becomes 74210. Mm-hmm. And, and you know because what? Because we all know they find five. Of course. And you know what, Elliot? I'm a sucker for every time. Like, if you go, yeah. oh, they're going to tear, ignore this week. Oh, my God, they're changing <laughs> yeah, that slightly. Exactly. It excites me every bloody time. They're going to film the model at that angle. It's yeah, that that's angle. the best thing about it. It's like, there's no open space. The so, it... is the twin of the Enterprise. I can't wait to see this exact same set <laughs> for shot at a slightly different yeah. angle. Or maybe Absolutely. a bit different lighting. <laughs> it is that was one of the God. beauties of when you had models instead of CGI for your special effects, that they were inherently expensive with the models. Mm-hmm. So you did use them as different ships. Yeah, you'd shoot, and you'd, you shoot did. A, you'd shoot at a different... You'd change a bit of the paintwork for the name and the registration, and you'd shoot it at a slightly different angle. <laughs> So we'll, we'll wrap up there then for this week. Next week, we're going to cover the season six finale, Tears of the Prophets. Um, so bring your hankies. And we will also have a bit of Christmas fun. We're going to play The Wheel of Trek. Yeah. Um, Only no, no, Star Trek Top Trumps, but that became very confusing to everyone. No, we're not playing Top Trumps this time. We're doing... No, we're not playing no, it's a it. Formally. We're, we're, no. we're going to use the prop of the Wheel of Trek. We are going to use the Wheel of Trek. Yeah, yeah. that's what's it. Yeah, that's what's going to be. And it is going Wheel to give us characters, and we're going to decide what we'd get them for Christmas. I can't so wait. if you have. So, if you have any ideas which you want to throw out in the chat on the Facebook group over the week, 
and you can play along at the time. Yeah, what what would you get the Star Trek characters for Christmas? If you yeah, want, I, I really and... encourage you to come along and play along at the time because we'd love to have like we can have the audience as like a fourth player. Monday Monday night we will be putting the names on the wheel. So up until Monday, you have time to go onto the Facebook page and you can add it. If put on there now, you'd like us to add to the wheel okay. and we'll add it on there. Yeah, and we'll have different. Are we doing different wheels for different shows again? Because I think no, we're good. just going to do one giant wheel, one huge wheel. One oh, well, giant like the, wheel. It's like it's the Christmas be... wheel of Brie. Like my screen's be not going to be big enough for this wheel. It's going to be this <laughs> wheel in the world ever. Nobody has ever seen a bigger wheel. This will be a wheel that's bigger than any wheel's ever been. This is gonna We're going to make this wheel classy again. Where's the bigger than Michael McIntyre's wheel, this wheel. Uh, uh, my you, hat's gonna, slightly out of reach. I would have put it gonna, on there. It's going to be perfect for Christmas because, yeah, not only is it like the wheel of brie that you get on the well, cheese board at Christmas, but it also it's like the triple wheel but like the ultimate doom trivial pursuit wheel well i just think it's nice because we're doing a bit of a sad episode next yeah. week so we're going to end because we're not doing an episode between christmas and new year we're having a week no off. no so we're going to end the year on a light note with some uh, good fun absolutely yeah. um, so if you want to get in touch with us in the meantime we're at retrek pod on x where retrekpod at gmail.com. You can find us on all the socials, including Retrek Model Studios on YouTube. Um, Elliot, what's going on there at the minute? Uh, not a lot because of Christmas and being busy and everything. Fair play. But uh, on Christmas Day morning, you'll oh, be yes. shooting a, you're going to be shooting a video of me opening my um, Secret Santa from the Hobby Absolutely. Absolutely. 100% will be doing that. Um, on Christmas night at midnight, you're going to, we're going to be shooting another video because I'm, I'm putting it straight out because I'm doing the Kenny Cat Hang group build which goes between Christmas and New Year so there'll be a bunch. Of, I'm doing a build very quickly. I've got a week to do it. If I'm awake at uh... <laughs> midnight on christmas day but we'll see james you're sleeping in this front room do you think you're sleeping with these lights going? that's a very fair <laughs> point um dr squee what have we got going on on the dr squee show well um yeah i don't know yet uh basically it's kind of slack up for me only because uh where my my uh radio show goes out on tuesday like it's it's one day short of a week away from Christmas. So I thought I had another week. I'm like, oh shit, it's Christmas week episode. So I'm trying to sort out a, a, a guest uh, to do some Christmas themed. We might have a guest. If not, we're going to be uh, playing some Christmas tunes. I might read uh, in the night before Christmas just for a bit of a crack. Uh, you know, we're, we're just going to have a good festive time one way or the uh, other, maybe with a guest. I've got a question about your Christmas show if you play music. Yeah. Or, or request. One will be that included. No, that you don't include Wham and don't be the dick that puts people in Whammer Hella just 
No, you cannot command the radio stations not to play something just for this. And, and to be frank, I'm sorry. Yes, look, I, I'm not hating against people playing it. However, I will not let it influence my behavior because I I like that song and it means less playing of it as far as I'm concerned. And I know after the 24th, you can play it lots, but it's like, I want to play it. I like it. It's a great song. And I accidentally, even though I wasn't playing, because that game plays gets played so much, when it came up in a film, I was like, Oh, that's the moment. <laughs> you just you can't even well, you're not playing. You can't help but you notice you're not playing, hear. but you are playing. Everyone's playing till they're out. And even you and you noticed when you were out. So there you go. So you no, I noticed, but it doesn't playing. mean I was playing. Uh, but what I might do, and we'll see what I might do is because there is a version which was done by James Dean Bradfield, the lead singer. That's of okay. Pre- that's fine. Wait, 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 yeah which was on tier five Friday on channel four years ago, which I've got. So I might play that instead to be nice to all the, uh, non-residents of one yeah. I, 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 just for you. Okay. Just for Admiral Elliot, happy Christmas. I will play that Thank version you. instead. <laughs> and thanks Although for checking the time as well. We will um, see you next awesome. time on the retrack. Thank you. Goodbye. Dragon LLAP. Fascinating.